This is Planted, a podcast that encourages us to be rooted and grounded in Jesus Christ and established in the faith. Today, Pastor Matt Grimm continues the depths of Christ's preeminence in all things. Jesus paid the price for our sins, yes, but further, he reconciles us back to the Father. Hello everyone, this is Pastor Matt Grimm, and I'm here with Thad Keenel. It's good to be back, let's do this. Yeah, we are here with the Planet Podcast. Make and... me wait a week to finish up Colossians <laughs> 15 through 20. That's right, yeah. Uh, we are on our journey through Colossians, and, and here in these verses 15 to 20, the Christ hymn which we started last week, and, you know, as is our want with this, not only do we just want to get people into Colossians and the Word of God, but we're also trying to help us with our Bible study. You know, we would get into some into some study, and last week we talked a little bit about this word chiasm that, that is used to talk about this kind of, you could say, is this X-like structure where you have parallelism in, in, the, in the ends and in the middle and, and so forth, or I called it also like a sandwich. Yeah, and also... Um, replicates a little bit like poetic structure with an A, B, B, A type set. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly what it's doing. And, yeah. and with the chiasm, you can have A, B, B, A. You can have A, B, C, then C1, or C2, C, B2, A2. It can, it can be multi-layered. And some people right. would, I, we kind of did a very simplistic thing here, which some people would see more of those layers in this than, than we highlighted. Oh, I sure. just kind of highlighted the fact that um, 15 and 16 is kind of like the bread with of... of um, Jesus being Lord of creation. Then we have 18b, 19, and 20 being him Lord of, of uh, redemption, which we're going to actually focus on that part tonight. And then the kind of the meat of the sandwich is being 17 and 18a, that he has just his supremacy over all things, uh, which tie those two together. So we're going to get more into that today, but it, it might be good to just read the whole thing again uh, as we take a look at this and, and we really are going to look at that second piece of bread more today and how it relates to that meat of the sandwich. So, uh, But read the whole thing for us again, if you would, Thad, from the ESV, verses yeah. 15 to 20. Good. This is in Colossians, starting with verse 15. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. All right. Yeah, let's just let's just pray again to open us up here. Lord, we God, we ask for your help, Holy Spirit, as we enter into your word that you would you we know that you are our teacher, you are our counselor, you lead us into all truth. And so we pray that the conversation and meditation of our hearts and and this conversation would be honoring to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so last week we we kind of wrapped up talking about uh, the the supremacy of Christ's preeminence in all things as it related to creation, and 
Uh, and now we're, we're and, and that creation isn't limited to earthly things. It also relates to heavenly things, the visible, the invisible, right? We talked about the, the, the spiritual beings as well. That, that we recognize that the biblical right, uh, from, worldview is, is there, right? Yeah, from the, from the verse 16 there, the thrones, the dominions, yes. rulers, and authorities right. um, refer to the um, heavenly realm. Right, exactly. And so he is, he is the firstborn over all creation and, and, and how that is his preeminence. It's not just talking about Jesus being born in the flesh. It's actually talking about his uh, supremacy of in all creation. Uh, as well, we and so here now as we as we go into really li- looking at um, the second half of verse eighteen, nineteen, and twenty, that uh, we see there's a parallelism that that who you could be translated who is the image of the invisible God in fifteen or he is the image of the invisible God, and then also in verse eighteen uh, b we have that very same that that parallel that's that a just like we have a one here's a two starting <laughs> right that. Uh, that he is the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead. Uh, and so, but before that, the meat of the sandwich again is that he's before all things and in him all things hold together. And I include in there, as most scholars do, that he is the head of the body. The church is part of that sandwich. And so we have this, in this all things thing, uh, part, the supremacy, we include the church because the church, which is the redeemed, which we're going to be talking about here in the new creation stuff, that is the, the point of new, uh, uh, that we're included in that, right? And so we'll, we'll get into that more. But it, I want to start with this phrase after that, that he's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. And it's very interesting that this word translated beginning is this Greek word arche, which is actually related to the, the same, there's a form of that same word archai, if I'm pronouncing that right, again, my mm-hmm. pronunciation is terrible, is it goes back to the, the word translated rulers in verse 16, 16 yeah. right? And so why do I bring this up? Well, because this, the beginning, he's translated the beginning that this is related to, it's not just thinking that he's the... the be, first in time. The first oh. in time, right? That he is the, he's the preeminent one in... in um, in new creation, right? So it's not, he is the beginning of, or the he rules over new creation, right, right? right? And that's why he is the head of the church, right? But I think time can still be inferred here, right? There is there is sequence um, in this word as well, as far as it, it, it yeah. can be in the description of the definition of our yes, day. but it's not limited to right, that, right? right? So it's speaking here yeah. not only that he's firstborn here uh, of the resurrection, but he's also uh, in primacy, mm-hmm. uh, the demonstration of the promise of our resurrection. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm just going to read a little bit from this um, uh, IV commenta- IVP commentary on Colossians mm-hmm. uh, the, from this uh, Robert W. Wall. And he, he, he puts it this way. He said, the word beginning comes from the same word family as rulers from 116. And probably carries the same idea. The Lord Christ is at the beginning of or rules over God's new creation, the church. Even as he is Lord now over various elites of God's created order, which we talked about last time, right? Right. At times the word carries a temporal meaning, referring to the beginning or first event of a sequence of events. 
So this claim for Christ's lordship over the church may have a historical aspect. Jesus' death and resurrection begins his cosmic lordship. Compare Philippians 2, 9-11. Inaugurates the new age of salvation history in him, 1 Corinthians 15, mm-hmm. verses 12-28. Paul further expands the confession here by adding the appositional phrase, the firstborn from among the dead. The new age initiated by Christ's death and resurrection constitutes nothing less than a new order of human life in Christ, the essential ingredient of which is victory over death in its various expressions. And so, um, so we see that there is, I think there's that dual connotation there. It is the, it is, there's a temporal aspect, there's an inauguration of this, but there's also the, the priority of Christ as the ruler, the head of Right, right, all of right, this. Right. He is the head of the body, the church, which this just follows, <laughs> and he's explaining how that's possible. In and it's related to his his um, priority, but also his his inauguration. I think we could say of this. So with with Christ being preeminent, uh, this is uh, also coming off the heels from the description that he is the true God. Yes. Right. So we want to recognize uh, as well that no man could pay the price. It mm-hmm. took God to step out of eternity, become a man, live that perfect mm-hmm. life for us, um, because only He could live it righteously. Um, yes, but a fulfill- man needed to do. It needed to be a man too, right? It, Correct. Oh, God. So that's where God had to. We have this union of the. That's where I was going with. Yeah. That. Exactly. exactly. Right. So we show. Um, here, the dual nature yes. of Christ as right. truly God and truly man. Yeah, and we see, it, and that's interesting, I think, as you say that, because that we see the supremacy of God in these two areas that, that comes together in Christ, right? That doesn't, it, it, in no ways does it stop Jesus Christ from being before all things and in all things, Right. That his but by him becoming human, he's not setting aside his supremacy. He is, um, he is, he is setting aside in, in the sense in which I'm, what's going through my head is the Philippians passage, right, where it says he was, where he, um, what did he give up, right, in, in his Correct. to become human? Right. Um, he does. He doesn't stop being God, right? But what he does is he. He allows himself to become man in order to fulfill all these things. And what he's he's doing it for humanity, right? That 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 and but he's also doing it for all creation. Right. And right. I just wanted to bring that verse in that you were mentioning and, okay, yeah. and, and wrote there um, from Philippians chapter two. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it says and he's speaking to the church here, um, so as part of the context, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others, mm-hmm. having this in mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And then being found in human form, in form he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Right, right. So what is that emptying of, of you know, talking about it? It's, um, he it, it basically, you know, it's, he's not holding that grasping. He's not clinging to 
in his in his humanity in the incarnation. He's not clinging to that the, the supremacy, right? Uh, but he, but he's all but he's not. But it's not like he stopped being preeminent when he not, became not at when he all. became a man, right? But uh, I think some of that maybe I can find it here from the words of Jesus Himself in the High Priestly Prayer, prayer of John seventeen right. speaks of that where He says. Um, restore to me the glory that I had with you, mm-hmm. you know, before creation. Exactly. And so you see that um, he did give up when he became a human that glory temporally. Yes, for in the sense that it's like when when Moses, you know, had to hide himself in the cleft of the rock before <laughs> right. the glory of God. I mean, if he came in his full glory. People wouldn't have been able to see him. He wouldn't have been able to touch anybody. <laughs> right, exactly. Right. And, the, and the, some of the disciples get a glimpse of that up on the Mount of Transfiguration. Right, right, yeah. Right. yeah. So, so, yeah, so I think it's just important for us to see that there is that element of the glory of God that 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 Jesus, you, we can say, you know, set aside for the purpose of fulfilling all things to in this reconciliation, right? But with that, in his eternal nature, he never he never had to um, he never stopped being that he he emptied he emptied himself of it in some way right? right and that didn't mean it ceased it's just it was he he took on the form that allowed himself to be you know um, to be that be that reconciling work for us right absolutely correct yeah. So uh, and and even you know even even as I'm, those things are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, man, that's really difficult to find the right words to say. Yeah, well, <laughs> you're trying to describe um, a huge paradox, you know, of things that yeah. are beyond description. So it's hard to be eloquent in that description, right. and so you end up just resorting to the scripture. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you know, and and, and 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 so verse 17, he's before all things, and in th- all things hold together. There's a sense in which. Even in his incarnation, even in his self-emptying, even in his walking around and identifying with us in every way, as Hebrews talks about, right? He never stopped being before all things and in all things holding together, right? right? right. You know, which is really interesting when you think about the crucifixion, right? That when he is physically put to death as a human, right? And the earth is shaking. Things are just shattering all around, right? The, the curtain is being torn in two. All this wild stuff's happening because he's enduring that. But even as he's enduring that, he never stops being the head of all things. It's incredible <laughs> that this is paralleling even more so the stuff in Colossians. And by the way, you know, we're, we're, we're doing a study for the listener right now, and we're, we're trying to help you to, to learn how to study. But we're also having a conversation. Yes. And, and part of that is because the conversation... Just it it just provokes more thought process and, yeah. and more parallels. And what you'll see here is how the scripture is going to be integrated one to another. So uh, we're talking about a small section in Colossians chapter one here, but we're pulling in these verses that you mentioned earlier from Philippians two and from First Corinthians fifteen. And I mentioned John seventeen. And while I was in John seventeen, just coming off the heels of what you were talking about, just before the verse that I had read earlier. Um, this is going to be a description of, from Jesus' words himself as he's praying to the Father in heaven of, uh, of what he's come to accomplish and how that gets done. So listen yeah. to uh, John chapter 17 here um, when Jesus is praying to the Father just um, hours real, literally before his death. It says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son that the Son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. 
and this is eternal life, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So with that, you can see him, you know, exactly what we've been talking about here, that he has authority over all flesh. Why? Because he is God. Because he was obedient to the Father to step out and take on this mission to redeem all flesh unto himself. It's just all all whom the Father has given him. So this is is interesting because um, it separates every single person that ever lived to every person whom the Father has given, which is we're going to come, cover some of that here in a little bit, I believe, as right, well. There's, yeah. there's a separation factor that Christ has only come to redeem those who will believe in him. Right. Yeah, it is. It's fascinating. Um, we're gonna get but I just got a little side note here. Here we go. There's <laughs> a little promotion as, as, the, as the, you know, pastor of adult discipleship and uh, evangelism, and these things go together. But the... Uh, because I'm also responsible for small groups, is the, you know, this conversation that Thad says we're having, we're probably getting more out of this than anybody, <laughs> right? But but that's something about, you know, and we want you to study the Bible on your own. We want you to all these have these tools and to get into this, but it's so good to do it with other people. Right. Right? It's so good if you, to have a study partner or a group of study partners that we, they're just these things, the, the the spirit joins us in these things and brings it alive. And there's something just uh, so cool about that. And if you don't have study partners, I encourage you to get them. Right. Right. And, yeah. And, uh, so, 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 and a couple of things, there's study partners that um, you might be on equal terms with each other as far mm-hmm. as your abilities. But then there's also the mentor uh, relationship like I have with you. I can, you know, as my pastor, mm-hmm. um, I consider you my mentor and we can have this conversation. It doesn't mean that you aren't learning anything from me because right. we're sparking each other's conversations yeah. and thoughts. But, I learn a lot from that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> but the idea is, but you want to go to somebody that also has, you know, at times be listening yes. and speaking with others right. like a pastor or whatever that you can learn from. Yeah. Yeah. So, so anyway, just as, as you were talking about conversation in this conversation, yeah. I just, I wanted to get that in because that's such an important thing that's important is we're talking about studying a book of the Bible uh, in, the, in all the ways that we do that, you know, from word studies to like where I talked about structure last time. Do we talk about meditation? Do we talk about just reading for worship? All these things that it's also the, the, the body of Christ that, you know, talk about he's the head of the body of the church, right? He's reconciling all things to himself. That part of that is, is this community that we develop and it's good to study in community that, that and not just in isolation. We need community to study. Uh, as well. So I just wanted to throw that in there. So Yeah, and then one more study tip before you continue. Well, mm-hmm. I think of it, if you're if you're relatively new in your Bible studies, um, uh, besides having a good stu- a study Bible at your hand, with, which you mentioned in our very first episode, right. um, is to have a concordance yeah. with you, which will, as you're studying, you can look up other words where they're located in phrases right. and that helps you cross-reference the Bible in such an amazing way and if you try to do a 10-minute study you'll find yourself there for half an hour before <laughs> right? Yeah. Before you even know it and so That's it right. becomes more and more exciting it's like oh I yeah. see how Paul is using this from the Psalms even right. like you brought up last week yeah exactly um, so so just to keep going on with, with verse um, uh, getting into 19 because this re- relates to uh, we see how all these things are tied together, right? So I just want to see some of these parallels. So in verse 15, he's, we mentioned this, he's the image of the visible God, the firstborn of all creation. Um, 18, B, he's the beginning of the firstborn from among the dead, so that in everything he might have the supremacy, right? We see the relation to, the, uh, of his 
supremacy in creation is supremacy in new creation. And then verse 19, God was pleased to have all the to have all fullness dwell in him. Well, gosh, that sounds an awful lot like we our discussion about him being the image of the invisible God. <laughs> yeah, it sure does, yeah. Yeah. You know, so why is it important if it's important to bring that in relation to creation, why is it important to have him in verse 19 say that as it relates to new creation? Because then in verse 20 says, and through him to reconcile himself all things. What's the, you know, why bring this up again? Why bring up this uh, idea that the fullness of God dwelled, for the fullness of God to dwell in him? What's, what's the importance of that as it relates to new creation and redemption? This is the promise, as I hear you asking the question, uh, for the believer that at the resurrection, uh, for all believers, um, Old Testament, New Testament, will be resurrected at the end of days, and that we will be transformed into the likeness of him of his image. For it says, for we will be like him, which means not that we will be God, mm-hmm. but that we will be made holy. Right. right. And so the fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Christ because Christ at all times never sinned. Therefore, he was completely holy um, and held the glory of God within that right tabernacle so to speak right yeah of his body yeah exactly right because later in in chapter two he he, he's going to use similar language in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily he says um and you have been filled with him who's the head and the rule of all authority in in in, so we'll talk about that more when we get to chapter two but but it's related to this i believe this desire for God from the very beginning, as we talked about last time in terms of the image bearers of the Adam and Eve and, and all of us were supposed to be and, and reflect him in that way in which Jesus fully reflects him. But the, the, this whole idea of, of dwelling, the fullness of God being able to dwell bodily is, is something that both Jews and Greeks, you know, Jewish thinking and, and, and this whole Greek thinking really, I think all of humanity, so we, we struggle with this. How could God do this? And it's it's not this Eastern idea that we all somehow channel the, a spirit, the spiritual force. You know, it's not this transcendental, you know, becoming one with the universe idea. But it's this God's desire from the very beginning that he would have human partners. Right. Right? Right. And th- that those human partners failed. Right? And so how... How can he reconcile this? How can he restore this? How does he redeem this human divine partnership that was supposed to be there from the beginning? And it relates back to what you said. Is I can't remember if this is part of our pre, pre-podcast conversation <laughs> or our current was. podcast conversation, but the, the, the idea is that we, uh, God needed in order to, to do this himself. He had to come in as Jesus to, to make this happen. That the only way for this human divine partnership to ultimately work was was Jesus, right? There was no other solution. That's correct. And uh, there's a shadow of this that takes place all the way in the Old Testament from the time of Abraham. Uh, the first promise to Abraham is that um, you'll have countless number of children, mm-hmm. right? And all of this land will be yours, right? right. Um, but before that, you're all going into slavery, Right, and so they go to Egypt yeah. to be slaves for four hundred years. This really long time, and then of course everyone knows the story of the Exodus, how God redeemed them 
from the land of Pharaoh, right? Right. From, from Egypt. Right. And then, as soon as they get into the desert wanderings, God says, I desire a place to dwell among you. Yes. And what does he do? He has Moses build a tabernacle. Right. Set the, this is at the same time of the giving of the Ten Commandments. He also comes down with, you know, some blueprints of the tabernacle, which was to be a representative of the bigger reality in heaven. Mm. Right? And so mm-hmm. God, um, in that tabernacle, the word tabernacle literally means to dwell. Exactly. Right. And this is the word that you just used here, right? Mm-hmm. That, uh, that he would... Uh, for the full in him this is verse 19 again for yes. in him all the fullness of god was pleased to dwell and that's because god was fully in christ yeah the whole time he right. was here on earth right. right so truly god um some people would say fully god mm-hmm. fully man but that can that can lead to 200 percent. Right. so i think the westminster confession uses right. and others as well yeah. truly god truly right. man but the idea is um uh, going back and i don't know if you covered this but uh, what does it have to do with uh, verse 18a when it says that he and he is the head of the body, the church? Right. Well, I think that's, that, that's the connection. That's where, again, the meat of the sandwich becomes so important because it's constantly connecting the all things back to this reality of his supremacy in all things. But ultimately, that supremacy, the, reuni- the reuniting of all things, the redemption of all things, the key to that of this heavenly, earthly partnership is the church that, that we are. I mean, Jesus is the key. He's the one who achieves it. But it's for the purpose of, of bringing us back into that because he originally created us to have rule and authority on, in the earthly realm. And it was through this these human partners, these image bearers that we talked about last time, right. these human representatives who, who were to reflect and, and show and be little, to be these little rulers on behalf of the big ruler, right, that we were to have dominion in this earth. Right, and I think that's in some senses why he uses that word "rk." The first, this beginning, mm-hmm. this beginning has this connotation of rulership because we were to have that, and, and the whole reconciling of, of of all things has to involve us, the body, and we are the body of Christ. So the head of the body, we, our identity is wrapped up in Him, you know, uh, in the head who so, is Christ. So, so there's a communal element to to this whole ruling thing right under the headship of jesus right and then so as the body of christ uh, and then go on to verse 18 mm-hmm. in him in the in jesus the fullness of god was pleased to dwell but we're the body and so what we see take place at the time of the crucifixion is that the veil that um separated yes. the holy place where god dwelled was rent in two torn right. in two from top to bottom mm-hmm so God no longer dwells there, and the promise uh, after Pentecost is that He would dwell in us. In right. Us. That's why we become the temple. Now we right. Are, we're properly the temple of God. Right. And so the there's a, there's individually the, the, and corporately. Right. And so as the fullness of God dwelled in Christ, He's now enabling that the the Holy Spirit to dwell in us, the Spirit of God to dwell in mm. us, that we become His body. Now there's a sense in which. The fullness of God can only dwell in Christ, but we, we as parts of Christ and parts of his body are united into that, and we get to experience that. Right, and right? that for us, the reality for us right now is limited to its fullness spiritually. 
I, I, I don't know if I want to say the word fullness, but we, but our our salvation yeah. is as locked as it ever will be, right? There's no more... Right, but we get to participate, as Peter says, we get right. to participate in the divine nature, that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is present in us. Right. You know, and so we participate in that, um, even now, in our physical form. Now, we, we're not, you know, we still are in the, in, we still have a carnal nature you know, that's been crucified. Right. right? But we're but growing in his grace and that's a sanctification. Yeah. But it, but it's still the remnants of it are here still present with us. Right. right. So I'm not walking around like Jesus sin free. Right? right. But I do have power over that because of, of that flesh being crucified and because of the presence of the Holy Spirit right. in me. Exactly. Right? And then where you're, where we'll end up going with this is at the time Christ is reconciled all things unto himself. Yes. Then it'll be physical. As right. well. Yes. And the other thing with that now is that there is, I, just back to this communal nature, this body part of us that we are, um, that I, I, we also experience this collectively. We need to be careful in an individualistic society mm. to just think it's all about me, that part of the way I, I experience the fullness of God is, is as we dwell in a body with people and in a community. Right, which is right? why in Hebrews, uh, I think, chapter 10, it says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves. Yes. Right? So you have this right. um, come together and be part of the body right. and yes. worship. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so in that, and that's in it, how we need to understand that the, the body of Christ, the church, mm. right? right? He's talking about the church, which if you just translate that literally, it means assembly. Right? Absolutely. In yeah. Greek, it, it's just the assembly. Right. And so now it's the assembly of believers. It's the assembly of those who have trusted in the fact that he is the beginning and firstborn from that. We trust in the fact that um, he was pleased to have the fullness of him and to reconcile all things to himself, whether things on earth or in heaven. And we're going to get to that. whole How's this things in earth and heaven? How does all how do the all how do we understand the all things? But mm. before we get to the all things as it <laughs> relates to redemption. Yeah. Right. Because there's another heresy that comes that comes into play here. But before we get there, I just want to go back to what you're we talking about in terms of um, just quickly. Uh, you were bringing it about the Exodus and the people and in Judaism and how, you know, there's a sense in which as it relates to the Messiah, right, as it relates to the anointed one and the sons of God and so forth. Because actually um, in that Exodus, he, he says, I'm going to redeem Israel, my son. Right. Right. There's a sense in which that there's a this. Uh, they see themselves as this collective. And in, in present-day Jews, I think, would, would say that they see this redemption as happening as, as the people. They, they are the people of God. They are the Son of God. They are, in, in some senses, at some point, he's going to redeem all them and make them the Messiah, in, in some senses, that way. Yeah. And, and, and there's an error in that. But there's also there's a, there's a little bit of a truth in that that we need to understand. I, I understand the church being that. But the key is it all happens through Jesus, the head, right? The error they have is not identifying. It's not that there isn't this collective sense in which God's doing it or will do it. Now we, but, but, but they miss the Messiah himself who achieves it for the people, mm. right? So if you deny Jesus, right, then you don't see what he's done and you don't rec recognize his, his death and resurrection, then you're not going to have a people, the people are tied to the son, right? And and the, now the people can be and be, they become the son. They become his body, the church. But it, it's in him. If you deny Jesus, you're not ever going to have that redemption. The reconciliation isn't going to happen, 
right? And so the, even if you are looking forward to that new heavens and the new earth, where one day all the, these things are going to happen in that, if you skip over Jesus, you're never going to get it. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, in, so uh, just to say as Christians, in, in saying Jesus is the Messiah, he is the anointed one, he's the one who achieves all this, we're not denying this collective reality, which is the inclusion, the Jews are inclu- included in that. All nations are, right? And that's the whole point of, of the Old Testament to a degree, is that he elected, he set aside this people to, for this vocational purpose to achieve this. They failed, but he, God doesn't fail, that he brings one up out of them who achieves it for mm. all of Israel, that he is Israel, right? The, uh, because he fulfills all God's promises, that, that Israel was to fulfill, <laughs> you know, right. and that's where the in in some things when we look at to this 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 whole creational aspect that he he set apart this plan that Jesus is the creation in the recreation he is he is bringing the two together because before all things and in him all together all things hold together and he is the head of the body of the church right right that it, it's all brought there in him so mm. um, yeah. so then we need to answer this other heresy. This heresy called universalism, right? Because we have all this, all things, all things. He's reconciling all things. And so, hey, everybody's going to be saved, right? right? Isn't that what this is saying? Isn't he saying that um, if if all things are being reconciled to him on earth or in heaven by making peace through his blood on the cross? So Jesus shed his blood on the cross and he's reconciling all things whether we believe or not, right? It's just, everybody's included in this because Jesus achieved it. So therefore, everybody's saved. Right. Right. I'm in. Oh, good. All right. Good. Yeah, so, that's, that's, so right. So, we're universalists in that. Yeah, that would be um, how you could take that, and you'd be entirely wrong because you'd have, <laughs> because if you if you read that this way, then you have to discard all the other scriptures that mm. talk about the wide right. path versus the narrow path, okay. and and those who are. Uh, end up in the lake of fire, all the mm. way in the book of Revelation, right? Who right? Who disregarded the one who could save them, yes. who did, who, who right. died for a people. And uh, so, yeah, so we have to, again, you can't just have this in isolation here. Yeah. And the the better part about that is, is the other scriptures here, but what has been said just previously from verse 15 on, right? What was he reconciling? The things that are in heaven that he talked about and the, um, not as far as salvation goes, but pulling the creation together to get it into its rightful order. Mm. Right, right. And so, and actually, I think in our next episode, we'll get more into how this is debunked when we look at verses 21 to 24, uh, because it's going to talk about continuing the faith established and firm and the hope held out of the gospel. If we don't have faith, there, there's something about faith that, that is tied to all this. It, it just doesn't apply. It, it's sufficient for all, right? right? I think it's what we, part of the, what we see here, Christ's death and resurrection is sufficient for all. It's only efficient, effective, you know, through faith. Uh, and so we'll get to that next episode in verses 21 to 24. But but as, we, as it relates here to verse 19, I think we have to see here, because there's not just the earthly realm, as we talked about last time, there's also the, the heavenly realm. So in what we need to ask ourselves, what, in what sense is he reconciling all things? What, what is the nature of that? Uh, that we can identify. And so does, does it mean that every every rebellious being in heaven and on earth will be reconciled to um, to Christ? 
And so let's let's deal with what this reconciling all things in heaven on earth. When I think of uh, when you bring up the the word reconcile, to me, it by definition sounds like a let's just say it's a relationship. Um, there was a good relationship. It was broken. I I did something that broke our relationship. We got back together and we reconciled. Right. So you don't reconcile something that didn't have a previous compatibility in, in my way of thinking. Mm-hmm. And so where this takes me is to God's creation of man, Adam and Eve in the garden, you know, where he created them sinless. Yeah. Right. And that whole garden aspect was a representation of a perfect world on earth with mankind to uh, to live out, to worship God, to sub, um, to uh, submit the earth. What's the word I'm looking for there? To um, take charge of the earth and and bring it into submission, you know, unto itself, and to and to populate the earth. Right. All the things that you talk about um, in the divine decree from the beginning of God. Right. To, to, well, I can't. What's the word I'm thinking of? <laughs> not submit. Not you don't submit the earth, but to to take. Uh, leadership over the animals and stuff like that. Oh, dominion. 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 To to have dominion. That's the word that I'm looking for. Right. And so that was forfeited. Yes. And now we have this lineage from our federal headship in Adam through all people. Yes. Right. And there is a remnant, so to speak, that the Lord is going to reconcile to himself, first spiritually through faith and right. then finally at the end to the the new creation heavens and earth. Yes. I I that is correct. We the reconciling of all things is that reuniting of heaven and earth and in God having for himself a people, right, who will function um not only in their identity and in their restored fellowship which is the key. I mean that's that's the great thing that we get to have that restored but in that fellowship, it's actually lived out in reality that we function again as we were supposed to function, right? And that in itself is reconciling these all things, the all things of heaven and earth and so forth, back together, humans and God, the spiritual beings again, God. But that doesn't mean that every human and every spiritual being will be able to participate in that, right? Right. Um, but, but, that, but that doesn't forfeit the fact that all things are being reconciled. Correct. Right. Correct. And so, so I think it's it's just good to to know and understand that. And again, we'll get into some more details of that. I think, and when we get into verses twenty one and twenty four next time. But I do want to deal with the, this last phrase, uh, the last couple of phrases. That what was what's the manner? And I think it's related to why faith becomes important, as we'll talk about next week. But but how? What was the means by which this happened? At the end of verse twenty, it says by making peace through his blood shed on the cross, mm, right? right? And so we see that the, the, good, the, the hope of all this is in that he's the firstborn over all new creation, that he is the firstborn from that end, that, it, that his resurrection, right, signifies the reality of all this, but there still had, but why was the resurrection necessary? It's because he still had to die. The shedding of, the blood, of his blood on the cross still had to be the thing in which makes peace, right? right? Because... Because God could not allow the per- perpetual um, nature of sin and death and evil 
to um, he couldn't he couldn't just declare it by fiat. He didn't just say, "Oh, it's okay, I, I forgive you." Right. Right. He it, his justice demanded that something be done. Correct. Right. And that peace had to be made through the the shedding of blood on the cross. Correct. Yeah. From the from the Hebrews, I think it's also in ten. You know, the the same thing. You know, yeah. without the shedding of innocent blood, there is no right. redemption or no forgiveness of sins. Exactly. And, this goes back also to the tabernacle, right? When they come out and we have the mercy seat, the the whole mercy yeah. seat, and the day of atonement, where yeah. the high priest, yeah, only once a year would have to enter in, but not without sacrifice. That's not sacrifice for it is right. sacrifice for himself because he first had to be purified right. ritualistically. Um, but he would slaughter the the one goat, yeah. right? The goat that was for God for Yahweh. Mm-hmm. And put the blood on the mercy seat as a propitiation, right? Which is a satisfaction. But you also describe this um, a little bit deeper. What's well? There, there's the whole issue of, of it can be. It's called assuaging God's wrath. There's a God is justly upset about this, and and it brings relational discord. It's not just there's there's the chaos of us not ruling as we should. Okay, that comes to all earth, that affects the earth, that that affects creation, but there's also the chaos of broken relationship, of this disconnection with God, right? And so that's what this the word reconcile here is relational language. Like redemption is that is that kind of that the the marketplace language of buying back, mm-hmm. you know, of, of like that slavery language of buying back. But reconciliation has to do with a relational discord. There's a relational chaos between us and God, right? That, that there's things are uh, um, we are we have upset Him, rightly so, um, and and so that peace we have to make peace. Peace has to be made with God, and it's Jesus who does that. It's His blood who sheds that on the cross. And so we think about the Lord's table. We are restored to fellowship. Mm-hmm. Right? It's a table of fellowship. It's a table of the presence of God. It's that relational fellowship presence. We, we get to once again enter into the koinonia, that felt, the eternal fellowship of the Father, Son, and the Spirit, mm-hmm. which because of, of, of our sin, we, we fell out of that. Right. And now we get to enter back in. He's made peace that we are once again welcome at the table. We're welcome into the eternal fellowship with God. We are reconciled. We're, we're not just made right legally. We're, we're made right relationally. Mm, yeah. And that's what this is. It's restored relationally. We've been, he's made peace to reconcile that with God, that we can once again be in his presence. Right. So... Uh, let's put that another way for those uh, of us or for those in the world who are not believers, you're not in Christ, you're under condemnation by yes. God because of the sin that you have in your life. It's, it's, right. a, it's a separation issue, right? Yes. Our sin separates us from God and the wages of that sin is death. Right. You have to, you must be reconciled to God if you think heaven's a consideration. And that doesn't take place unless we have the sacrifice of blood, of blood right? That redemption price here, the making yeah. of peace by the blood of the cross yeah. of Christ. And faith in that, which includes, of course, the resurrection, which was talked about right. earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And, and the other thing with, just to, as you know, um, you know, it's like, does God, does God take pleasure in, you know, in, in, 
in punishing people or whatever. I, you know, I don't know that. You know, it says he he does not take pleasure in, in the wicked, right? Yeah, he it, doesn't. He doesn't. I mean, but the, on them. And so, you know, this is this is where we need to understand part of the graciousness of God or the, the graciousness of God. This is grace that He's offering because it, it's for our good, right? It, it's it's it. What happens to sin in the presence of God? It gets destroyed, right? And so. This blood is it's an offering of peace to God because it because if we come to Him and if we try to approach Him in our sin, we you know we we'll we'll die, <laughs> right? You know it's 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 just it, it it it's the holiness of God, the purity, the holiness, His His awesomeness, right? It, I've said this before. It's not that God can't be in the presence of sin; it's that sin can't be in the presence of God. <laughs> right? And for us to be in his presence, peace has to be made. That redemption price has to be paid. The, the, we have to be made right. But we, it, it, and so God is welcoming you back into his presence. He is there waiting through the, through the sacrifice of Jesus and his resurrection. We are, we are allowed back in. We are, we are invited back in. But if we don't want it, right? When, when, all, you know, the reality is, and this I'm getting a little bit away from the text here, but it's all related, is that the reality is everyone's going to be resurrected one day. Oh, that's interesting. Everyone is going to be resurrected one day. And, when, and the question is, in your resurrection, will you be at peace with God? Because if not, there's this eternal lake of fire. There's this, there's this, there's this, you know, there's this... Those who can't be in God's presence are going to be dealt with. Right. It right? speaks of that, um, that. There's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And, right. and now, there's a whole other podcast. There's, I think there's, you know, how how that happens, whether it's, um, you know, an eternal thing or whether it's a, at some point ceases. You know, I'll let the, 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 the big wigs debate that. But the point is, there's con- there is condemnation. There is a dealing with it, right? Because we can't enter into the holy presence of God. If our sin's not dealt with. That's right, right. And so yep. as we plea for you to, you know, if you're if you're not a believer, to, you know, understand your position mm-hmm. is currently uh, fallen in sin and condemned, and you will face the judge one day, Yeah. right? And the good news is the gospel of that Christ right. paid that price for all who believe in Him. Yeah. So that's our call yeah. um, out to, to. And we're going to define. We're going to define this. Right. More. We get into verse twenty-one. We're, we'll get into some more definition. Right. I'll let Thad is is great at being able to talk about th- these things, and we're going to let him go into what it means to be. Um, you, when you say let me go, leash. you don't. You just don't mean take me off the leash, <laughs> <Not> <laughs> <laughs> right? But 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 I want to emphasize what you said. That last thing. You know, sometimes. The gospel is preached as fire insurance away from hell, right, and and, and so forth, and and that's true. I mean, there's a truth to that. You, we we are there's a warning here, right? There'll be peaceful God, but the benefit is not just that I'm escaping punishment. The benefit is the presence of God. The, the what we should really be looking forward to is the is being able to dwell with the greatest being there is, who who is full of all goodness and love. And eternal peace. I mean, the, those things that we really long for and desire in life that each of us, I think, 
in, 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 in what's left over of the remnant of the image of God in us. The things we long for, whenever you feel frustrated or angry or upset, it's because you're longing for something better. That very truth and reality of that, we are being invited into through the blood of Jesus. That, that it's not so much that, oh, I need to escape this. It's what, it's no, what am I getting to enter into, right? That is the good news. And that's what we truly long for, right? And, and so, right. Um, I picture a, a reality where all things are united into the one powerful, good, great, beautiful mind, soul, and spirit of God, right? That, uh, that, that we get to participate in that. We're in, we're in a restored reality where all things, heaven and earth, are being brought back into his lordship. I mean, don't just sign me up. Um, let me, you know, we're not just signed into that. We're actually participating, as we were talking about before, we get to play the game. Right. Right? We're not riding the bench at the end, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> we get to participate in the game. And I think the more we live in that reality now and are faithful to that reality now, the more responsibility and and that he's going to even give us in that you know in the future right as we live into um this this recreation right now that this new creation has has in one sense we've talked about this before the already not yes it's already started and the more that we serve and participate and join in the church right now the more that we get on mission with what god wants the church to be doing now the more we live into the new creation that's already started, I think there's going to be a sense in which we'll have a a, um, a greater experience to some degree in the new heavens and the new earth. It's not that there, there's not going to be there's not going to be no, there's not going to be any regrets in the new heavens and the earth, but there is going to be a sense in which you know how we live the new creation now is gonna is gonna be. Um, reflected in our in our experience in the new in in the new heavens and the new earth to come right yeah and just an amazing scene and uh i'm listening to a uh biography on rc sprawl right now Uh, it was written by stephen lawson just a great guy um and there's some of it on the audio because it's a it's an audio book um, of recordings of R.C. Sproul. Hmm. And if you don't know R.C., you got to listen to him, great Presbyterian pastor <laughs> and teacher, right? Um, but he uh, was talking about, R.C. was talking about, the question was asked to him, what is the most important thing to grasp for people about God in the church? And he said, his holiness. Hmm. And then he said, what about the people in the world? What's the most important for things for people to understand about God, mm-hmm. um, whoever the, or in the secular society? And he said, God's holiness, hmm. right? Because he is a holy God, right. and he is uh, exemplified in all his characteristics, his traits, um, of course, which includes his love, his grace, his mercy, but it also equally includes his righteousness, his holiness, mm-hmm. his justice. And so um, the thing that is going to give the believer the greatest joy at the resurrection is seeing the face of God. Yes. And the thing that's going to be the biggest point of fear, regret, and understanding of guilt at the resurrection for the unbeliever is the exact same thing. Yeah. Because we're all going to stand before Christ someday. Right. Right. And for those of us who are, um, have been satisfied by his blood 
and receive that payment by faith. Right. Right. That's right. That's 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 the yeah. big picture. It is. Right. And there's there's only those two options. There is nothing else. Right. right? There's 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 Christ and then there's nothing right. Right, as far as heaven right. goes. Right. And that reconciliation. Exactly. And if you think that reflects poorly on God, imagine would you want to welcome um, think about if you have a family and you have a home. And I want you to think of an extremely dangerous person or, or, or something who's going to come in and want to do harm to the peace and tranquility you're trying to bring to your home, right? Um, you, would do every, you, would not want to, you would not welcome that, per, that, that person or that entity in because you know what it's going to destroy that, right? right? And that's what God's doing. He's just protecting his his holiness, which is extended to us, and that purity, that set apart goodness and glory and greatness that we're all, he's all inviting us to experience. He's just he's just saying that other stuff's not allowed, right? right? And, and 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 so if if you think that his judgment of that is is reflecting poorly on him in some way, then you need to. Look about it in terms of what 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 things do you not want to allow into your presence, mm. right? Right. You know, and, and yeah. so um, so so and 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 think about the fact that you know even even I I even I allow stuff I shouldn't allow, right? And look at and if we look at our life and our families and our work life or any any realm or sphere where that has come in, you see the chaos that it brings into that the the destruction the the. The, the bad, you know, and the, the, the cool thing is that God can redeem all that. Right. He's not saying he can't redeem. He's willing to. The question is, are we willing to submit to Jesus and say, yes, I want you to take care of all that, right? Right. Um, and it, it's those people who don't want that, who reject that, right, that God is saying, okay, um, you're, you're out, <laughs> right. right. So the call continues to go out. Yeah. If today you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Yes. Right. And so that's that's uh, probably a good place to end as yeah. we are having just too much fun <laughs> <We> here. <are. laughs> yeah. So come back next week as we look at verses 21 to 23 and uh, and, and talk more and, and give more description of what it means to be established and firm in, in the hope that's held out in the gospel. Fantastic. Have a good day, everybody. Forward to seeing you next time where Pastor Grimm will continue the discussion of what it means for us to remain steadfast in the faith. Planet is a Cornerstone EPC production, connecting to God, one another, and the world through the love of Jesus. More information can be found at cornerstonebrighton.com.